When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Sporting Goss, I hope you liked Gillian Goss this morning. The great man's gone off to count his money. I'm here for the next two hours between 10 and 12, Monday to Thursday. Boy, what a show. And our feature interview is with the man who was behind the launch of the Dreamtime at the G. Essendon coaching great, played with Richmond as well, Kevin Sheedy. He is going to join us after about 10.30. And I can tell you I've chatted with Kevin about this. He is going to come off the long run and no one is safe. In particular, the clothing manufacturer who refuses to release the Indigenous flag that can't be on grounds for Sir Doug Nichols' round and can't be for the Dreamtime at the G. And you wait till you hear what Kevin Sheedy has to say. You are going to hear something a little bit special. He also has Mark McGowan in his sights as well. Mitch Pateman. Remember Mitch? We spoke to Mitch a couple of weeks ago. He's a jockey, a leading jockey in WA, and he's taken out a co-licence where he trains as well as rides. Well, Mitch Pateman took a horse to Kalgoorlie on the weekend, Speeding Comet, his only horse, and it won. And he also won the big group race, the Belmont Sprint, just across the road here from Optus Stadium on Saturday on his favourite horse, the Velvet King. He got fined $1,250 for saluting uh, short of the line, stood up in the irons and waved to the crowd. Here from Mitch Pateman. It's a really good interview. He is on cloud nine after a huge weekend. Gary Moss, the coach of Perth. That's right. They beat West Perth. That's been a long time coming. And they beat West Perth up at Joondalup. Katrina Powell is the coach of the Hockey Roots. She'll join us. Jimmy Smith will talk rugby league. Matt Keenan will talk about the Giro d'Italia and the Tour de France. And we'll also take your calls, 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. A very, very busy show. It was a big weekend for the Watermans on the weekend. Alec Waterman and Jake Waterman, they played in the same game. It was much talked about, but then the carpet got pulled from underneath the the story, I suppose, when Jake was made medical sub for the Eagles. But he did come on and snuck on out the back when he took on, of course, uh, and kicked the goal as the medical sub for Tim Kelly. And Alec Waterman, who tried his hand at the AFL, got crook, got delisted by the Eagles, but it's been given a second chance by the Bombers. Well, his dad, dual premiership player with the West Coast Eagles, was proud and as pleased as punch. And we spoke to him this morning on Gillian Goss. Chipper Woody spots up. Alec Waterman called out hooker. And Alec Waterman, wow! His brother kicked a goal at the other end and tied it up. And he now has a chance to kick a goal 35 out directly in front. His parents would be torn. Peter and Chris. Chris would be cheering for the Eagles. Pete would be cheering for the Eagles on the inside, but the Bombers on the outside. He was on the Eagles list. He was confined to his bed for years. He's been given a second chance. And guess what? He's put them 15 points in front. 
Yeah, that was the uh, oh. the action on Saturday night. And Chris Waterman, the dad, of course, of uh, Jake and Alec, who would have been sitting in the stand somewhere at Optus Stadium. Was I right, Muddy? Were you torn? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good morning, guys. No, it was actually uh, quite pleasant watching the young bloke get one on the board in the end, even though it was the nail on the coffin. But I was happy for him because he was in, in some pretty good spots all night. Just couldn't get a hold of one. How did you go going into it when all of a sudden uh, Jake was named medical sub and everyone thought, oh, the theatre has been put on hold? But he certainly came on the ground and made an impact quickly. Well, I thought with the weather coming in, I actually said in the day before, I said, there's every chance you're going to get a run here with the slippery conditions and the weather. There's going to be a lot of heavy clashes and maybe a few slips here and there. And it panned out that way, unfortunately. TK slipped and uh, has hurt his knee and Oscar was uh, well self-inflicted but uh, was was knocked out so there was two opportunities within about 10 minutes so it was a lot earlier than I thought anyway but it was good for him to come on and uh, get his first kick straight through. Yeah Chris it was a, a big build-up uh, as Goss said the media coverage and then um, obviously Jake uh, not being in the starting 11 but what's the interaction between the boys like tell us and our listeners uh, do, are they close are they tight do they sort of keep in touch, and was it any different leading into this one compared to any other time? No, they are pretty close, Adam. They, um, well, the Bombers came over a few days early, so Alec was able to get around town and catch up with family, caught up with Jake and had lunch a couple of times. So there was, they're not like, oh, who's going to play and who and all this sort of stuff. They just catch yeah. up and see the fact they got a lot of lot of mates together, so they caught up with them and family and, and all that sort of stuff. So, no, there wasn't much to it, and... Um, by Friday afternoon, Jake knew his situation that he's going to be sub, so it is what it is, and uh, everyone went along and realised that they were both going to be out there. We just weren't sure whether Jake was was going to get a run, but uh, it panned out that he did, and uh, did okay in his two and a half mm. quarters. Now, you're you're very much, you know, you've got your, 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 your footy head on, you've played in two flags for West Coast, we understand all that. What was it like sitting there? What was it like sitting next to Pete, or do you try and move away as far as possible? What's she like to watch footy with? I showed my tactical nous when handing the tickets out, Tim, and I uh, made sure that we we're on different sides of the oval. <laughs> I grabbed, I grabbed uh, a couple more life membership tickets. Fortunately, Ash McIntosh threw two, two my way, so I had four and grabbed my brother and his young bloke and a mate and went up to the landing and I had the luxury seats. And I said, "You're out with the mob on the other side of the oval." Because sitting next to uh, Sitting with people that ask questions every five minutes does my head in, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and of course, mate, the Bombers are, are sticking around. They've got the Dreamtime game uh, next week, so a bit of extended time will be nice to have Alec around. What are, what are the, sort of the rules and regulations around their time here, mate? Are they being told they have to sort of uh, keep restricted or are they allowed to free move freely around Perth? No, they've got their... Uh, they'll find out their schedule more so today, What how, how the week pans out with training and so forth. But I, I, it is going to be a different week for them. They won't be hanging around the hangar most of the week like they normally would. So he's going to have a fair bit of downtime to catch up with family and, and friends throughout the week. But um, now that he's already been here, he doesn't have to do so much. But, yeah, it's good. It's going to be pretty exciting and looking forward to, to Saturday night. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure there's, you know, I've had fielded quite a few phone calls already about tickets and I went down and saw the Essendon guys and they said, look, if we're here, just let us know and we'll, we'll get the family some more tickets for next weekend. So looking forward to it. It is a great story, the Alex story. I know there's been a lot said, Muddy, but you've been with him alongside him with all the 
the the the illnesses, the the battles, the scars of of everything. I mean, you must be incredibly proud that he's been given a second chance and he's grasped it. He's now played five games, which is five more than many people believe he'd ever would. Maybe he would have even thought he'd ever play. And to have that win at home, put the icing on the cake with a goal. It's really hard to get better than that, isn't it? From where he's come from. Yeah, I, I must admit it was a bit surreal sitting there Saturday night. Um, Saturday night, there was a few times I thought, wow, I never thought we'd be seeing both boys playing on this able together in different teams, albeit. But um, and for him, as I said, just to get that last one was was a pleasure to watch him just kick it straight after. I thought, well, wow, that's just a moment I'd never ever thought I'd see. But even after the game up there, obviously there's Eagles people everywhere, and a lot of them I know just came up and said, you know, so we're. You know, we're not happy we lost, but just glad to see the young bloke back playing footy. It's just just unreal. So, yeah, you know, it's been a long battle for him, but um, you can never give up hope on anything like this. I mean, he wasn't on his deathbed or anything like that. He just had to bide his time. And, uh, you know, there was a period there where we thought everything's going against him. When he made it back, he came in and got a couple of cracked ribs and a punctured lung and then got himself nice and fit and COVID hit. And we thought, well, there's not going to be a season now. But it panned out that way. And he had a ripper last year. And, then the Essendon two weeks and he was coming home, then he was staying and so I was back and forth, back and forth, but eventually he got the shot and uh, yeah, he got a game. He's been in and out a little bit, but uh, right now he's in and, and going okay. Yeah, hopefully he can ride that wave of momentum now with, uh, as you say, he got the shot and he certainly delivered the shot uh, the other night. Mate, and just uh, before we let you go, what do you make of the Eagles situation, another Another lead squandered. How do you see them and, and, and the rest of the season playing out, given that uh, you know, the injury toll uh, was increased on the weekend? Yeah, well, Eagles, because we're in such a bubble over here, they're one of the teams that people tend to jump on quite heavily. Um, if you said you are going to lose Oscar Allen and Tim Kelly before half-time, you'd think, well, that's going to be a tough assignment because Essendon, with where they've been, you take out... The, the the past now, it's completely irrelevant. They, they're in red-hot form. Mm-hmm. If you took the last month, they're one of the teams of the competition. So losing 20 possessions, and, and I know Oscar was back, but there could have been every chance he could have swung forward, but maybe a shot or two on goal. It's a pretty big hit, but um, it's just going to be the season. Guys, and if you can just hang around the 7th and 8th and ninth, maybe pick up an unexpected win. If you can get some of these troops back late in the year, who knows? And it's going to be like that for most teams. And Melbourne and uh, some of the other teams over there haven't had the real heavy hit with injuries. Some others have, have had it worse, which would have had their fair deal. So I think if you can just hang around and just, just keep getting the wins here and there and be thereabouts for a month to go and get some troops back, it could be anyone's race from, from particularly this year, from one to eight if you're in. And getting your troops back, anyone can probably win it. Mm. No doubt. Uh, appreciate your time. Well done, Dad. You must be incredibly proud of what yeah. took place on Saturday night and uh, appreciate your time. Uh, one last really quick one. Uh, the mullet, are you a fan? Uh, well, unfortunately, Jake's got a lot of fans on it. He's someone started a fan page about three years ago. He feels compelled to keep it going, but I, <laughs> I suspect... He's got quite a few... I mean, it's not his and he had nothing to do with it, but it's just quite funny watching it in some of the comments. But um, I think it'll trim and trim and trim as the years go by. He wisens up and gets a bit older, but uh, while it's there, he's enjoying it. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your time. Thanks for taking our call. And how did the 15K yeah, run go this had morning? Yeah, you pull up? Oh, mate. Sweating like nothing else, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks stretch, for joining stretch, us. Stretch well. Stretch well. Stretch well.
Chris Waterman on Gillian Goss this morning. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Good fellow, and it's been a big couple of days for the family. And Alec, of course, will still be here this week in the Dreamtime at the G. Speaking of Dreamtime at the G, don't go anywhere. Out of the 10.30 news, Kevin Sheedy will join us. He's coming off the long run as only she's Ken, the great promoter of the Dreamtime at the G. It's going to be Dreamtime at the O. Now, we've had a couple of texts, and you can text away on 0487 736 uh, a lot of people are asking when the tickets for the game go on sale. Now, don't take this to the bank, but I'm reliably informed, courtesy of Ryan Daniels, of course, who does a, a very good job with his work at seven. He has said that uh, tickets will go on sale tomorrow after midday. So it was going to be early tomorrow morning, but I'm led to believe it's now been delayed or pushed back till after midday to work out the ticketing arrangement. And the adult prices will be basically a $30 to $35 ticket for general admission. Keep your eyes and the ears peeled on any advertising or listening to us here on SENWA. Uh, Mike from Palmyra says he's tried calling you guys back about the sporting voucher, couldn't get through. We could, we were answering the phone for you, Mike. And we were clicking on the phone, your number appeared, and yes, Mike, you did win the Sporting Globe voucher as well from the Gillian Goss Show always on Derby. We'll get a breakaway. We'll come back. And coming up next, Gary Moss, the coach of Perth. They had a huge weekend. They beat West Perth. They play again Thursday night, Thursday night at Mineral Resources Park against Subiaco. Gary Moss about to join us. This is Sporting Goss on a Monday on SEN. Love talking waffle on a Monday here on Sporting Goss on SEN. Hope you're enjoying the show. Kevin Sheedy, not too far away. Of course, Dreamtime at the O is coming to Perth. But let's talk about a great result on the weekend. Perth 7-6-48, upset West Perth 5-8-38. That game was up at Joondal up at Provident Financial Oval. The coach of Perth, Gary Moss, joins us. Well, that's a nice way of breaking the drought. That is a very big win for the footy club. Yeah, mate, it was a great win in the end, Goss. We um, fought pretty hard all day and... um it wouldn't have been a great spectacle to watch because it was pretty low scoring. But um, in the end, the game was sort of played the way we wanted it to, wanted it to be played. And, yeah, we got the result, which was, was great for the footy club. Been a long time between drinks. Yeah, round 18, 2011. Wow. Funny enough, um, Hayden Busher and Matt Rogers both played in, in the game, that, oh. that game that day. They've both been to different clubs and are back again and, and both played on the weekend. So, yeah, uh, full circle, I guess. And it's such a condensed competition. We speak about this all the time. Even Subi and Claremont, who are a game clear, but then you've got South Swans, yourselves, Peel, East Matter, West Perth. I mean, there's such every one of these... Oh, I hate to say it, eight-point games are so vital, even though we're only sort of, uh, you know, seven games into the season. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, the, the competition is so even. And on any week, um, if you're not on your medal, you're going to get beat. So it's, it's every week's sort of worth eight points, like you said. And um, to win against a, sort of a fellow competitor on the weekend was, was very handy for us. What did you like about the win? What did you actually like? What was the one thing that you set your players up for and they delivered? Well, we had eight guys that played under 10 games on the weekend and another two debutants. So um, we just sort of talked about putting on really good pressure on the opposition and, and, and going in really hard for the contest. And in the end, that's what we did. And, and we were persistent with it all day. And um, obviously the conditions helped on the weekend. It was, it was pretty wet and windy, but... Um, yeah, really pleased just with our young guys and, and the roles that they played and their contribution to the result. 
Yeah, very much so. And there was nothing separating. Look, I think four points at quarter time. I think it was three points at half time. It was up by a goal at three quarter time. And you hang on to win by 10 points. I mean, 10 points probably is a blowout in the end of regards to how close the game was for the entire game. Yeah, it was really tense, I guess. Um, even early on, we had two shots and, and missed. And West Perth went down the other end and, and kicked two goals pretty quickly. So, um that was probably the, the biggest margin of the day. And then we um, managed to sort of claw our way back. And then, like you mentioned, after that, it, every goal sort of felt very important because there wasn't many kicked during the day. So much said about what you don't have available at the moment at Perth. You've been hit hard by injury almost from day one, of course, when you lost Big Fraze and Joshy Smith in that game against West Coast. You've been sort of run down by injuries right from the word go. How close are you to getting some of your dead-set front-line troops back? Yeah, look, we've obviously got a short turnaround to um, Subi on, on Thursday night, so it's only the five-day break. Mm. Um, I reckon uh, everyone will miss that one. And then East Fremantle after the bye, we should have five or six coming back, um, which will be interesting trying to manage that. Obviously, the boys have been in good form. So, um, look, we're looking forward to getting getting the boys back and, but also they've got to understand that they've got to fit into to what we've been trying to do and, and the success we've had off the back of everyone just playing their role. I know it's only early doors, and we spoke about that in a you know, couple of uh, questions ago. You're a contender, Mossy. You're a dead-set contender in a very, very condensed group of teams this year. There is no standout team. We saw that with your beating, you know, your, your beating of South Fremantle. We've seen that with Subi and Claremont. Claremont were flying and Subi, Subi got them. Subi is certainly beatable. There is so much in this competition. You must be confident that you're not just going to, well, look, not dissimilar, you got all that emotion behind last year where you got into the finals and probably could have won up there as well and it sort of went awry. You must be very confident about your group. If you get all your troops and your best available, that you're a chance. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, Goss. We've really been focusing on, on trying to be a really consistent football side because our first four weeks of the season were were anything but. Um, we had a really poor loss to Swan Districts and, and even against Claremont, we weren't really in the game. Um, so as much as you, you could get to sort of thinking like that and particularly off the back of last year, um, we've really narrowed our focus after those sort of first four weeks around just being a really consistent football side. And we're getting a lot closer to that. And obviously having experienced players and um, quality players back in our side will help us with that. Um, but yeah, that's our, our main focus at the moment. Thursday night turnaround, as you mentioned, taking on Subiaco. What do you make of, of them? I know they're on top of the ladder, but they're not blowing teams out of the water. They've got Brandon Matera made his debut and looked like he was in a good space on the weekend. So depending on whether he can butter up coming off a, off a hammy and a long-time hammy, uh, what do you make of Subiaco and your chances of there on Thursday night? Yeah, look, I think they're, they're back to some pretty solid form. Also, They've got some really good players and some really experienced players who, who lead their team really well. And I think that's probably what's helped their, their younger guys that have come through. They've got the two Hickmont boys that are playing and some young guys in their back line who, who are getting led really well by Kitchen, Delahunty, these sort of guys. So, yeah, they're going to be a really tough, tough competition. Um, we haven't got a great record against them and not many clubs do over the last sort of 10 years. Um, but we'll go into the game with some confidence off the back of what we've done over the last couple of weeks and, and try and replicate sort of the way we've played over the last fortnight. Yeah, well, records are made to be broken. You did that on the weekend. Appreciate your time, Mossy. Congratulations. Good luck Thursday night.
Thanks, Josh. Gary, Gary Moss, the coach of the Perth Football Club, who it's just great. I love having good teams and, and good traditional teams in the mix, and he's done a remarkable job with the Demons, and they are in this competition up to their eyeballs. This is the Sporting Boss. In a moment, the 10.30 news. We're here till midday. Out of the 10.30 news, we are going to be chatting very shortly after that to Kevin Sheedy, Dreamtime at the O. Now, we're led to believe tickets go on sale tomorrow after lunchtime and uh, more details will come. Uh, as you heard with Gary and Tim, Xavier Campbell had this to say this morning on their show on SEN Breakfast in Melbourne. He is the CEO of the Essendon Football Club in regards to playing the big game over here at Optus Stadium on Saturday night. The AFL didn't really have a choice but to make a decision to play the games outside of Victoria this coming weekend because there's so much uncertainty and they've, you know, they've been trying to create a model where they take the risk out of the system and you can, you can absolutely see what they're trying to do but it doesn't mean it's it's not bittersweet because you, you know, members missed out and a big chunk of our members missed out on a lot of games last year and, and to miss out on what is a marquee game and a game that they look forward to you know, in a really big way this weekend is really tough. But, you know, the flip side is, I guess, we need, you know, we've, Western Australia is our second largest member base. We've got nearly 3,000 members over there. And, you know, it's obvious, you know, you see the front page of the Western Australian today, there's a big a big article on, on Dreamtime in the West. You can tell it's going to be embraced by what is a really strong football community over there with a big Essendon population. So that's an exciting opportunity for us as well. That's Xavier Campbell. It is an exciting opportunity. Are you considering going to the game? Let me know this morning. 0487 736 736. Are you considering? Are you, you might be an Essendon fan or a Richmond fan, but are you a non-Richmond Essendon fan but want to experience what will be a remarkable night, a special night, normally, of course, aligned to the MCG I'm led to believe it will be Michael Long and Gavin Wagonin doing the walk to the O across the Matagatup Bridge. Kevin Sheedy's going to join us after 10.30. He has a lot to say about the tradition of this game. He lays down the gauntlet to WA footy fans. He lays down the gauntlet to the WA football organisers. Reckon there should be a curtain raiser. He wants a curtain raiser played before the game on Saturday night. And I wonder if our WA Football Commission and WA Football League big heads uh, and heads of the competition are listening. Not big heads, I'll take that back. But if you're coming to the footy, love to hear from you. Let me know, 0487 736 736. Or give us a call, 131255. 13 1255. The calls are coming in, and we'll get to your calls very, very shortly. We'll take some news and come back. Not too far away, Kevin Sheedy. Thanks for your company. We're here until midday. Tony says on the text line, good on you. 0487736736. Definitely going. A few Frio fans, a few other clubs, but going to for the night out and see a neutral game. Cheers, guys. Good on you, Tony. Yeah, I think that's the good part about it. You're going to actually see a game where you're going to enjoy it without worrying about the result. And, of course, there was a lot of Essendon fans at the game the other night. They made a lot of noise in the Eagles game. And they will certainly have a, a very big support base here, the WA Bombers, and so too Richmond. So if you are a part of those uh, support clubs, let us know. But thanks, Tony, on the text. Goss, I'm an 11-year member of Frio. I can't wait to go to a Dreamtime game. That's Mark of Bell Divers. Fantastic. Keep the calls coming. Are you going to be at Optus Stadium for Dreamtime at the O? Tickets go on sale after lunchtime tomorrow, 0487 736 736. Let us know. 
whether you are going to be at the game. Uh, of course, West Coast take on Carlton at the SCG. David Teague is the coach of the Blues. He was pretty animated and pretty disappointed with the way his team folded up against the Sydney Swans at the weekend. Here is the coach of the Carlton team, David Teague. We need an even spread. When we play our best footy, it's an even spread. And some of our better games have actually been when, when Cripper hasn't hasn't done as much. Walsh has probably had a really solid season, but um, we need to spread the load and, and be able to have 22 guys go out there and get the job done. And today we didn't. We, we had too many guys that were well off the mark. And, um, yeah, I, I actually thought as much as we're in the game, our second half was probably one of our poorest second halves we've had in a while. David Teague, the coach of Carlton. Things don't look like they're abating in Melbourne. Just had uh, messages through apparently 11 new cases or six new ones after midnight in Melbourne of COVID, and that's 11 cases in the last 24 hours. So doesn't seem to be abating any time soon. Not massive numbers, but certainly on the rise. So we can imagine that will be happening for a few more days to come. So it'll be... Well, it'll be an interesting one to see how long the games are being played out of Victoria and in other states. Of course, uh, Sydney and Perth certainly hosting plenty of games over the next day, a week or two. Huge game here on Saturday night. Of course, the female Dockers will be here against the Bulldogs. The West Coast Eagles will go to Carlton. We'll We'll play Carlton at the SCG. Are you coming to the Dreamtime game? Let us know. 0487 736 736 or call me. 13, 12, 55. We'll get a breakaway. Kevin Sheedy, sit back and enjoy the legend that is Kevin Sheedy, one of the masterminds behind Dreamtime at the G. He's putting a call to arms for everyone who wants to come and watch this wonderful night of entertainment, not just a game between two traditional rivals, but the lead up, the walk to the G across the Matagutup Bridge to be done by Michael Long and Gavin Wanganeen. And he also lays down the gauntlet to the state government to recruit our football officials and also those who are stopping having the Aboriginal flag placed on the ground before and during games, the Sir Doug Nichols round and also dream time at the O. Have a listen to Sheeds. He's coming up next. This is Sporting Goss. Well, Victoria's loss is WA's gain when it comes to Saturday night. Dreamtime at the O, not the G, at the O at Optus <laughs> Stadium. I almost said it just rolled off the tongue sheets. It just almost just rolled yeah, off the yeah. tongue. Oh, 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 here is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's a great benefit for West Australia, and uh, they've produced some terrific uh, Indigenous players. I mean, the Aboriginal boys really, you know, they've put the goal into our game, I reckon, in many ways. And, you know, to have a Dreamtime game over there, is, um, it's a bonus, really. It's a, it's a good bonus because uh, it was a sensational dream time in uh, Darwin last year. Yep. And so we, it's just sort of forced to be on the road. And I don't mind that, to be honest. Be, you know, to me, it's a great opportunity for Richmond and Essendon, who have been the recipients of many wonderful Indigenous players. I mean, there's, a, there's about five or six rollies rolled out, haven't there, really? They've been amazing. And you've got your normal people out there that have been sensational as a probably one of the greatest sporting stories in Australian sporting history of the Noongar people. And um, it's just incredible that uh, you got that chance. So grab hold of it, West Australia. I can tell you that right now. It should be a packed stadium. And I hope they put on a great performance before the game. And I, I, hope, I hope South Fremantle might, might want to play, you know, before that game against one of the clubs, whoever they're playing this week. I don't know what the... West Australia roster is at the moment in in the games, but you know South Fremantle probably has definitely been inspired by Mel Brown. He was 
personally inspired me to really get involved in recruiting Indigenous players. And uh, so it's a great credit to him as well. And I think it's fantastic that we, you guys get a, a lucky tick in the box for the game, which mm. is good luck. 100%. Well, the, the amazing part is, as you talk about South Fremantle, it is the Frio Derby this weekend. It is East Fremantle and South oh. Fremantle set down for the game. It's due to play on Monday. Ooh. It's due to play Monday being a public oh, holiday, which mate. might make it a little bit tougher. But, gee, wouldn't it be good? Mate. Well, yeah, it's going to be flexible in your thinking. I mean, you know, you play in front of 60,000 and... Um, they can worry out the money and the figures. I'm not worried about that. You know, it's pack, pack Stadium in Optus with a derby. Is that right? <laughs> it, it, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it is incredible. So that would be a perfect sort of... You couldn't have picked that in a minute. Yeah, yeah that's incredible. Hey, hey, so sh- I would definitely look at trying to get that on. And how many would they get to the derby? Oh, they'd, the derby. Oh, they'd get 3,000 max. Ten. Three? Yep. Oh, well, mate, you just go. You put, it's not even a question. Really, I mean, it's not a money thing. There should be a, the AFL and the Waffle should sit down as intelligent, common sense administrators and work out a, a cut a good deal. That's incredible. I, I cannot believe that that's happening. Dear God, uh, a, that's kissed on the butt twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Sheedy, yeah, they are. Oh, yeah, don't worry about that. Hey, so look, we, we we're aiming for forty-five, fifty thousand. It would be absolutely brilliant, and we know no, the no, lot. No, you, you, you actually aim to. See and don't think you won't get it and you won't, maybe not all that. Just get 60 there. Every time I come to West Australia, the last 25, 30 years, I always ask, what is one thing we can't, we're not doing right for you? And most people said we can't, in, can't get in to see a game at Subiaco because it's only mm. 32,000, 33,000. Mm. Well, now you've got a 60,000 stadium. Get off your backside and go and see a great game because we're fighting for a, a spot in the eight. Richmond and uh, Essendon. That's incredible. And Essendon were fantastic here the other night, and we know where Richmond are. They clawed their way to victory as well. Sheeds, when you go back when you started this in 2005 and you said, oh, it'd be a great way of saying thank you to our Indigenous stars, did you imagine it it would become this big all the time? Well, I'd hoped. I'd hoped. You know, our last crowd at the MCG was 85,000. I've always been trying to work at filling stadiums. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous that the MCG was only used for 18 times a year for over 100 years. Nine days for the Melbourne Footy Club in the old 18-game season in the VFL. Four VFL finals and five days for the Boxing Day Test. What a, what a wonderful, stupid use of property. The best ground in Australia. <laughs> middle of a, a city and you're only going to use it 18 days out of three. That, that is dumb. You know, but anyway, I won't go there. I'm, I'll be on my soapbox again. But here we have... So anyway... What I'm saying is I like the fill of stadiums. And um, Anzac Day sells out Dreamtime, so it's 95 plus 85 for uh, Dreamtime. That's, that's 180,000 in two matches I've been able to get the box with. Mm. That's pretty good in four hours. No it? doubt it is. And we're going to have the, the walk to the O, of course, over the Matagatup Bridge, I would imagine, where uh, Michael Long, all the protocols will be followed, I'm sure, with COVID. So you'd be asking all of WA footy fans to join in that because that was a big, that's a big part of Dreamtime at the G, is it not? Yeah, yeah. Look, we had uh, 25,000 one year, 30, I think, another year. Because the Eastern Staters are trying to get the get life Living, not Indigenous people and Indigenous people, we've just got to keep growing and, be, and living a better life together as our young people come through. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know, there's, I know there's lots of issues with every person around the country, but normally it's only about 4% of the same population are a problem. 
and some of them live in jail. And they're not Indigenous people, I'm just saying right across the board. So these bridge-building exercise games are fantastic to teach our young people that we are living with the oldest living nation in the world and we've got to respect that. We certainly do. Now, Sheets, uh, I was at a uh, PSA game between Aquinas and Guildford at the weekend and they had the well, the Aboriginal flag in the middle of the ground in the centre circle, as we know. That has, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, due to circumstances and people taking ownership of that, it's not allowed in AFL games. You'd love to see it uh, back here at, uh, at, the, the, at the Optus Stadium and, in fact, at all the venues, I'm sure. You mean the Indigenous flag is not on the ground? No, because of the because of the rights holders who have the who have bought the um, rights to the um, you know the, the the circle with the with the yellow and the black and the red circle. It's the the clothing company who who hold the rights to it. Who have, oh uh, right, so they've never come to any agreement. <laughs> I don't think they've come okay. to an agreement. Yeah, so it was that okay. A... We'll just tell them just tell them to put the German flag on. We'll see if more happens. <laughs> That's very true. Colors. Very true, Sheeds. Tell them to put the German flag on. We're finished with uh, the Second World War. Get over it and just leave the circle off it and, and, and put the circle um, just up in the top right-hand corner. That'll fix that up. I love your style. There's a lot of ways around. There's a lot. No, mate. I love overcoming these little, you know, common sense problems. Yeah, I know. I saw, As I said, I saw it at the PSA footy on the weekend. I took a photo of it and some people on Twitter said, oh, they'll get into trouble with that. Well, they'll be sued for that. And I said, go right ahead. See how you go with that. Put, put, just put a, put a, um, put the colours of the German flag on it with a, uh, a boomerang and a spear. Yeah. Suck it up. You're a great man. There you go, buddy. Sheeds, I love You've it. You've got to have a vision. You do. Go the next vision, mate. Roll you. Hey, what you about those? That. What about those mighty, mighty bombers at the end? Eh, Ben Rutten's doing a good job. Sneaking along quietly, sneaking along quietly. <laughs> uh, just keep it under the radar. Don't let this go out, please. <laughs> uh, good on you, mate. Appreciate but, your time. Uh, to all you people in West Australia, I hope you have a great time and a great game over there. And I hope, I hope it's a ripper game, and it should be because uh, I'm here in Sydney with uh, where Richard and I've been. Yep. Right now, I was trying to get to the game, but unfortunately, there's some little fellow over there who won't let anybody in. <laughs> um, unless they're 14 days apart or something. I've been, you know, I've got a positive, I've got a negative COVID test. I've been sitting for, been here for a week and a bit. You can't get into West Australia, and, and I've still got a negative uh, test. So how how does that work? You tell me. How are you going with the tests? How are you going with the stick up the nose? No problems with that. I've got a big nose. <laughs> how, what about it? What about in your mouth? As a, as a matter as a matter of fact, my mother says. Kevin, keep your nose out of trouble. <laughs> good on you, Sheed. You're a good man. Appreciate your time. No, guys. Good no, on you, mate. everybody. Good yeah. on you. He's a great man, Kevin Sheedy. Dreamtime at the O here on Saturday night. As he says, don't accept 40,000. Don't accept 50,000. Pack it out. 60,000. Do the walk. Get involved and get the German flag to replace the uh, banned Aboriginal flag on the ground and just say it's the German flag and everyone can argue the toss. He's a legend. Great to have him on the show. This is the Sporting Goss. finds a way, doesn't he? 0487736736 if you are coming to the game. I'd love to hear from you. Tickets go on sale tomorrow after lunchtime. Now, we're led to believe there's some breaking news in the world of cricket. We haven't got to the bottom of it yet, but uh, we'll try and keep you posted 
as soon as it comes to hand. 0487 736 We'll get a breakaway. We'll come back. Matthew Pavlich joined Gillian Goss this morning and spoke about all things West Coast and all things about Nat 5 and Frio. We'll get the breakaway and come back with Matthew Pavlich. This is the Sporting Goss. We're here till midday on SEN. Thanks for your company. We're here till midday. Coming up after the midday at the 11 o'clock news, Jimmy Smith talking NRL. Katrina Powell, he's in New Zealand with the Hockey Roos. Mitch Pateman has a story to tell. He's a jockey who had a great weekend. And Matt Keenan talking all things SBS. Of course, the news through from Cricket Australia. They will appoint their interim boss, Nick Hockley, as the Chief Executive Officer on a Monday this afternoon in regards to he's been in that job for a while. They did a worldwide search and they came up with a bloke who's living in their backyard Alrighty, let's hear from Matthew Pavlich. He was on a Gillian Goss this morning talking all things Eagles and all things Frio. Here is Matthew Pavlich. But what I did see is I think maybe some of their high half forwards, because they were getting um, a fair bit of stoppage numbers against them um, late in that game, I think they looked like they sent up their forwards, played a shorter forward structure. When I say a shorter forward structure, they brought the likes of Kennedy and Darling up closer to the back of the stoppage. Right. So they didn't have a stretched long forward yeah, line, sure. which they normally do. They normally hold their forwards and allow the, the mids and the halfbacks to build the ball up to their forwards. And that's why they score so efficiently and so well, because they've always got a forward structure. Things got a bit desperate late in that game. They sent players up, and, and I think that's what Elliot Yo was alluding to in that quote just before. Lack of leadership in the middle of the ground at times. I saw, yeah. I saw Kennedy go up and talk to the address to the midfield, and then he addressed Jermaine Jones on the wing. So he really, and he was very calm about it. It wasn't ranting and raving, yeah. but he was almost trying to lead them into the next stoppage. And what we have to do, boys, it all starts here. Um, and when you don't have some of your key, when when Shuey's not there, and then yep. I'm not saying Kelly's a leader, but he's good enough to lead. Player. He's an experienced yeah. player. And Gaff's not in the heart of it. He's on the wing. They seem to lack some people to hurt. I remember moons ago when even Belly was playing at, at sort of the back end when teams would get on a roll against Fremantle, and he would often say, we've just as leaders got to learn to stop teams getting yep. on a roll. Well, look, momentum in any sport is great to have. Mm and sometimes really hard to get. And it, we even within games, um, and that, that was highlighted, I think, probably best. That, that's a great highlight game of momentum because West Coast got out to this great start. Mm-hmm. They were kicking everything. Was it nine goals straight at halftime? Uh, being really efficient with their ball use. But Essendon were there and thereabouts, but then the momentum swung. And that's you're, it's a really good point. We raised this a couple of weeks ago after the Geelong debacle that they had, they, there was no, McGovern went off with an injury, he's a vice-captain, Luke Shuey's not there, Elliot Yo wasn't there, then he, he's only playing his first game back on the weekend. And he's weekend. probably looking after his own patch. 100%. Too. Yeah, when you when you had 12 months out of the game, um, he's never really been defined as a leader at West Coast, but experienced player, 170-odd games, best and fairest, he's a leader within that team, regardless if you've got the tag or not. So that's why Josh Kennedy, who's a vice-captain, is doing that as a forward. Um, and sometimes as a forward, that can be really challenging because... You're ahead of the play. You're not actually right in yeah. the heart of it. And, and stopping that momentum is more challenging, I think, as a key forward than it is as, as a midfielder. And you're right, you know, Dom Sheed, Andrew Geff, these guys are experienced players. They do need to stand up and be better when the momentum is against West Coast. Let's finish on West Coast first mm-hmm. because it looks as though that game against Carlton is going to be in Sydney now. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Things can turn around really quickly and no crowd for the Blues. I reckon yep. that plays into the psyche of the Eagles. So Really? They haven't won there since 1999. In Sydney. Yeah, but they're not playing the Swans. and They're not playing... Mm. I, I think playing a Melbourne team at a neutral venue in okay. Sydney will suit them. 
And I actually do think they can turn around. Carlton aren't going that great this year. Um, so it's, it's amazing. Yeah, we spoke about it heading into the derby. What, what's the psyche of West Coast this week? What's yeah. the card that Adam Simpson mm. and the leaders are going to play? be really interesting to hear the narrative out of the club this week leading into a game at a neutral venue against a team who they should beat. Give us your analysis of Ooh, the I Dockers like yeah. yep. match. They did so well to arrest the momentum and actually get a chance late in that game if Nat Fife, um, you know, took that set shot. I think it might have only been two or three goals down you know, early in that last quarter. But uh, a frustrating game and not taking opportunities, eventually that's going to come and sting you. We don't want to sound like a broken record, but he clearly has some demons going on because the early one where he played on, where he continually played, so he got the mark and played on. The other one, third, he went, quarter. third quarter, great stuff, inspiring stuff, and I thought, he's back. He's up and about, and he's aggressive. and all. Then he takes that beautiful mark, that hang time mark, gets up and goes back around the corner. Nat Fife is a go-back. I, mean, I know you're old school. Go <laughs> yeah. back. When you're that close to goal and you're that good, surely a drop punt, old-fashioned straight at the goal, but he's clearly trying to find something because it's not happening. Yeah, and look, you know, he rushed that one. So he, um, he, he took that way too quick. If you're going to take the snapshot, I mean, that's not my preference. You're, yeah. you're 25 metres out on a very slight angle. Go back and kick a drop Whose punt. Whose fault is this? Who's changed the game? Is it the Irish Steve, game? Stevie Johnson. You reckon Stevie J? Stevie J. He was more in the, he never, he never did it in the pocket, though, didn't he? I remember he? working uh, with a sports psychologist, Phil Jauncey, who did a lot of work with um, the Brisbane Lions yep. and Ackermanis on this same issue. He encouraged him. It was all about personality type, and you do this psych testing, and you find out whether you're a thinker or a, a feeler or a, a mozzie was one, you yep. know, just someone yep. who just... Yeah, play what's in front of you and don't prepare too much mentally. Just just do it naturally. And Akamenis, they decided he was trying to play on more. Even if you took a mark, just play on yeah. rather than go back and have that time to think about it. And it seems like now that's where Fifey's got to. He doesn't yeah. even want to have to think about it. Just try to make it look like it's a, a natural action yeah, rather the, than a set action. And I think you need to break that psyche because if that's what you're thinking the whole time, um, Ross Lyon used to say, we're practising for grand final day. Every moment of every life, you're practising for grand final day. Yep. And so, you know, yesterday was an opportunity to practise for grand final day. And if you're going to rush a kick, if you're going to take a, um, a mozzie-like approach to, yep. to something, then, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think there's some work to do on that overall just – you know, taking a moment, taking it all in, taking that responsibility and going back and kicking the goal. And whatever happens, it, you know, I remember um, a, a psychologist talking to me about this. It was about sometimes you can, when, you know, he used to work with golfers, sometimes you can make a really good part. But between the moment you hit the ball and it drops in, there's lots of variables that, you know, you can actually kick a good kick and the wind or whatever can mm. take it. But if you're kicking good kicks most of the time, you're going to get 70%, 60%. The best in the AFL... Tony Lockett went at about 65 70% uh, you know, accuracy, and he kicked most yeah. of them from about 15, 20 metres out. That's how good plug it was. So kick the kick, back yourself in, and if it misses, it misses. Jimmy Smith is the main man when it comes to NRL in Sydney. Of course, you can hear him on the SEN uh, platforms of the like in the afternoon show, and, of course, he has all things rugby league covered. The news is that apparently Queensland, Jimmy, might have lassoed the uh, State of Origin series and got a game in far north Queensland, and apparently Braith and Nasta and the rest of the crew aren't very happy. Uh, yeah, and there's reason not to be happy, and, and one is because it's a huge advantage, right, to be playing up there in, in, in Queensland. Now they've got the two games in Queensland. So from, from that, that alone, I, I'd reckon the market changes 
pretty significantly on the back of that. However, in saying that, if you take your bias off, and it's hard not to have a bias one way or the other when it comes to rugby league, right, and uh, state of origin. But if you take your bias off, um, brand-new stadium up there, absolute mad for their rugby league. The fact that they're giving, getting a, a state of origin game, it, it probably won't ever happen again. Good luck to them. Hey, can I ask you about the, the results from the weekend uh, last Thursday night? Well, no shock there. The Storm got over the Broncos. But what about the game between the Cowboys and the Warriors? What a ball burster. Sensational game of footy. Classic Warriors, right? So they, they lead 6-0. Then they're down 22 points to 6. And then they come back to lead 28-22. And you think, oh, right, well, they've, they've got it won. No, they give up a try with about a minute and a half to mm. go. Uh, and then it's 28 all. And then they miss an attempted field goal just. And then... Valentine Holmes gets an opportunity and absolutely nails it from 40 metres out. Um, and now they're into the eight. Like the Cowboys, who were just legless at the start of the season, they are they are now into the eight, buying into what Toddy Payton's doing. And they've got some players there that are playing really well. Scotty Drinkwater is one of them. And um, I see Val Holmes and Kyle Felt. They're in this Queensland squad too. So um, no real surprise about that. All righty, and what about the West Tigers beating the Dragons? And no shock, either. You, you talk about how good the Panthers are. They did a job on the Bulldogs who continue to struggle. Well, the, the, the interesting thing about the Bulldogs-Panthers game was that it was going to be 4-0 in favour of the Panthers at halftime. And when you consider that um, the bookies had the line at 37.5 by the time they jumped, which is just unheard of. So uh, that's how much of a surprise that was going to be. And then the doggies give up a try right on half time. It's ten nil. They kick out to to thirty nil before they get a, a late try, almost last play of the game. The doggies, but um, it, the funny thing about it is, uh, gosh, they're going to go. Oh yeah, we played well. Oh, what was the score? Oh, we lost thirty points to four. So mm. that te- that tells you where the bulldogs are, and it tells you where where the Panthers are. No shock. When I say shock, the Rabbitohs, their inconsistent season continues, but they did a job on uh, the uh, on the Eels, and the Roosters too strong for the Raiders. The, the, the Rabbitohs absolutely own the Eels. I don't feel like they can be taking any sort of form in, and yet they've got this left edge, the Rabbitohs, the right edge defensively for the Eels. They just cannot handle them. It's uh, They're lining up to score tries. It's phenomenal to see that they did it again in the game on the weekend. And, you know, the Roosters were down 10-0. The Raiders have had all this bad publicity during mm. the course of the week, and you thought, oh, maybe we're getting this response that we... we perhaps have been waiting for, and then the Roosters' class. Like, Joey Manu is he's the second-choice fullback. He's the second-choice 5'8". He's the first-choice centre because he's so exceptional, but he ended up playing in the 5'8 position. He was an absolute star for the Roosters. So, um, you know, I know they've got so many players out, but they keep finding a way, the Roosters. And Sunday footy, the Sharks beat the Titans easy. And the Knights, was that an upset over the Sea Eagles, or have I missed something there? No, you have not missed anything. That was a massive upset, yeah. considering that... So, first upset was the fact that the, the Sharkies were too good for the Titans. Um, the Titans are really disappointing. But to their credit, the Sharks, they had a bit of good news during the week. Uh, Will Kennedy and Toby Rudolph, they're, they're two guys who've played really well for them this year, recommitted to the club. And that's obviously the new coach, Craig Fitzgibbon, who's coming in next year. He would have been or have his fingerprints all over that. So, that was a good news story going into the game. And, and they responded... As well, um, the, the the game after that was a sensational game of footy, and uh, the the fact that Newcastle had that win minus Kalen Ponga, who, who you know for them to win it was going to be an upset. 
Um, and it had to be all on the back of Kalen Ponga, who has literally won them a couple of games this year on his own. But he didn't play. I know Josh Schuster wasn't there for Manly, but that's a sensational win for Newcastle up there in front of their fans. And it just reignites their season as well. So um, some really good footage. Actually, the last two games on a Sunday that, that the Manly side have been involved in, the last game of the round, the Last week against Parramatta, this week against Newcastle. Just been two sensational games of footy. NRL Nations, Jimmy Smith online here on the Sporting Goss. I saw on the weekend that uh, the Clive Palmer back Southport Tigers um, lowered their colours, um, beaten 88 nil. Um, is he Falau? He'd be keen to get involved. <laughs> there needs to be an exchange here, Timmy. There needs to be an exchange. I'll give you my talents. You've got to give me a lot of money wow. to be playing down there. And I think that's what they've arrived at. Wow. Wow. 88 nil. He's not going to make any difference. I mean, will he create a different... I mean, he'll obviously get people to watch, but, I mean, sure... What sort of coin would he be on, do you reckon, doing that? They're saying anywhere between two hundred to $250,000. What? Yes. Okay. Yes. This is, this is what I'd describe as irrational behaviour yeah. from Clive Palmer, which is not a new concept. No, right? it's not. It's not at all. Hey, mate, love our chats. Appreciate your time again today. You can hear yourself on SEN. What time are you on air today? One o'clock. What time are you on air tomorrow? One o'clock. Good on you. Good on you. Jimmy Smith, appreciate your time. NRL Nation talking rugby league here on the Sporting Goss. Thanks for your company. Thanks for listening on SEN Spirit 621. Hello to you in the southwest, heading for a top of 18 degrees. Bit of rain around over the next two or three days. Still to come, Katrina Powell from the Hockey Roots. They're in New Zealand ahead of Game 4 of their Test Series with the Kiwis. It's currently locked at nil all. There's been three games and they've all ended up in draws, so the winner takes the prize tomorrow. Mitch Pateman joins us after 11.30. He had a huge weekend. He won the big race at Belmont across the road here uh, from Optus Stadium, where our SEN studios are, and then went up to Kalgoorlie and trained his first winner as well as rode his first winner, which was a great story. Matt Keenan will also join us. The Giro d'Italia finished last night. And now all roads lead to the Tour de France later in the month. So all things cycling with Matt Keenan. Also, any interest from you, let us know. Any questions, anything you want to say, 13 12 55 or text 0487 736 736. Disappointing weekend for both our AFL teams. Let's First of all, let's hear from Justin Longmuir first of all, of course. Coaching yesterday, a disappointing first quarter against Port Adelaide. I thought they were okay, Frio, and they, of course, are taking on the Bulldogs back here in Perth next Sunday. Here is the coach of the Dockers, Justin Longmuir. We, we did plan for Port's fast start. I mean, they haven't been starting well and probably thought that their way would be more to try and blast their way into the game rather than sit back and wait for us. So, yeah, it was disappointing. We lost it um, at the contest. Um, and then we couldn't get the ball off them on the outside. And then uh, when we did get the ball, I thought we lacked... Um, composure to try and own the footy and make them defend and we just sent it back into a contest. Centre bounce was clearly an issue from the, the very start of the game. I think we conceded 3-2 out of there for the first quarter. Um, yeah, and you give a good team 40 point head start, it's not ideal. But how, do you, how do you weigh that up? I mean, you obviously fought back well. I think you got six of the next eight goals and you know, even went five, kicked the last one. You were, you were a sneaky sort of chance. How do you, I guess, judge the, the good with the bad? Well, I think, it, I think that's it. We've got to show our players what our, our good footy looks like, but um, it's been a bit of a theme for us across the year. We haven't been able to string it together for four quarters. Um, and I don't think you, 
you're going to control the game of AFL for four quarters. I don't think any team really does that, but you just need to hold up um, when the opposition have control and we are getting beaten in the midfield and our backs just weren't holding up at all um, and more or less contributing to the issue as, as well rather than um, trying to fix the problem. So um, you're right, the, the middle two quarters and you know we put some pressure on them in the last quarter. Fife nails that tackle and gets holding the ball and for whatever reason we take advantage and miss that. I, I think that would have been 15 points if Fife goes back and kicks that. So we did a good job and then yeah we just unraveled a little bit late when the game got out of reach, but yeah, we need to review that start and make sure it doesn't happen again. Is the catalyst for that, um, that those middle two quarters and that, that fight back? First of all, we evened up the contest and got well on top in the contest, or got on top in the contest, not well on top, but got on top in the contest, which allowed us to control the speed of the game. Um, in the first quarter, you know, the minus 20, minus 20 contest just allowed them to get speed in the game and found it really difficult to defend, whereas in that middle two quarters, and it's probably to the, at the end of the first quarter really, we had some shots on goal that we missed. We were able just to control the speed of the game through owning the contest, and I, I didn't think our ball movement was an issue um, at all throughout the night. We were moving the ball well, and um, you know, we looked dangerous forward to centre, we just we couldn't get our hands on it early, so that was, it, it, was, it, was come, it always came, uh, came back to the contest. Um, yeah, we got that right in the middle two quarters in particular. Bit to like about the Fremantle Dockers. Yes, they were disappointing and they let the game go early doors, but I think they would walk away from that game saying, yep, we should have won it or could have won it. But inaccurate kicking and some uh, just some moments in the game that probably proved beyond them yesterday. But they do take on the Bulldogs here. It will be very, very hard to beat. He'll be smarting after their loss to Melbourne. Let's even up the ledger. Let's hear from Adam Simpson after their defeat here to the Bombers. Oh, we lost field position at um, our last quarter. Um, we lost a couple of players throughout the day, which um, pretty important to us, but we thought we managed that pretty well halfway through the second quarter. Um, conceding two or three goals late before half-time. And then the weight of numbers, probably off turnover. They got us on the outside in the last quarter. And we couldn't win a contest in front of the ball. So, um, yeah, we just weren't tough enough for long enough, really. I spoke earlier in the week about worry about what if someone did get hurt when you bring in Yo in the minutes and you got Hearn and Ryan would come back as well. Do you feel in hindsight that with those injuries that, that, that really played into their hands? Oh, um, yeah. Um, look, I think having some players underdone doesn't help when you have two injuries. No. So. Liam Ryan, Shannon Hearn, they both come back from four or five, but that's not an excuse. I don't think we should dwell on that too much. No, I think the, um, they couldn't win a contest in front of the ball late. Um, they played really well. They got us on the outside. Uh, the midfield depth, we probably didn't have that in the last quarter and a bit, but got to give a lot of credit to Essendon. I quite believe that you're only getting on the injury front. Key players. Key players, yeah. Look, there's no doubt that um, it's hard to replace the A-graders we have, but, you know, we're still... We lost TK early in the second and we had probably our best period 15, 20 minutes after that. So we really stood up as a collective. I think Archie, we had to go on ball with Jones and then we lost Aussie and we put Brandon down back. Um, so look, yeah, I thought we adapted pretty well early in the second, but obviously as the game went on, um, we couldn't we couldn't sustain the effort. This point, you couldn't get the most out of Matt Nui's dominance in the market. He was up against Carl Mangle a lot of the time. He was doing everything right in the midfield and win the ball. 
Yeah, look, I think the stoppage numbers were pretty even, um, but it was more if we won a clearance, um, they got us on the spread on the you know, return of serve sort of thing off a, off a clearance win. Um, yeah, so look, it was turnovers more than stoppages. But yeah, look, we had dominance in the ruck. I thought Nick played really well. Didn't take full advantage of that, but that, that's, you know, teams scout that. So we hopefully have more rounded game than just rely on Nick. Yeah, look, he's a bit rusty early. He worked into it. Um, you know, he'll, he'll build his minutes, but we've got to manage him in the next, you know, for the rest of the year, like I said uh, before the game. So that's going to be ongoing. But uh, yeah, he was a bit rusty early and then um, worked his way into it. Did you have to change much with those injuries about your plan for him tonight? No, no, it didn't change. No, no, no. So it was, that was less about that, more about. Um, Sharing the load through the midfield with some, you know, players who are forwards, um, Brandy going back. But like I said, that that's part of the game, you know. So that that was not great for us, but I, I wouldn't use that as an excuse. Adam Simpson and Justin Longmuir after their team's respective losses, of course, the Eagles heading to the SCG to take on Carlton. Matthew Pavlich, very confident the Eagles will bounce back, and the Fremantle Football Club will be back in Perth, and they will be hosting. The Western Bulldogs. Big weekend of footy here. The dream time at the Yo Saturday night. And of course, Sunday, it is the Dockers taking on the Western Bulldogs, a genuine premiership contender. Well, we continue our countdown, of course, to the Tokyo Games. And a big part of that will be the Hockey Roos. And they're warming up with a Trans Tasman series with New Zealand. And they head into a final match of the series taking place tomorrow over the other side of the ditch. And Katrina Powell, the coach, Trini Powell, of the Hockey Roos, joins us. Um, can you tell me what the scoreline is at the moment? Played three, won three, lost three. What is the scoreline, Trini? Yeah, three three draws, actually, Goss. So we are <laughs> fairly evenly uh, matched with New Zealand, you could say. But... Uh, Challenging, which is perfect for this stage in our in our preparation. Yeah, hundred percent. So uh, so far, we've had a one all draw, a two all draw, another two all draw. Uh, forget about the results. You've been happy with the execution. Getting happier. Let's say that. <laughs> I mean, obviously, first international match in a number of months. Um, that things are a little uh, scratchy at the beginning, even nervy. Uh, getting back used to the pace of the game as well. So. Each match has been better and better, and, and obviously the players are getting more used to our, our way of play and, and being, um, I suppose, pressured to, to do that quite quickly, to make decisions quickly and to execute their skills quickly. So when you're talking to the playing group or coaching this team, how, how different are so some of the soldiers that you've had playing for the Hockey Roos prior to your arrival and they're, they're still in the system – are you talking about a huge uh, adaption to your coaching style or has it been a steady uh, change? Are, are they struggling with it? And how long do you think they've got to, to grasp it? Oh, I would call it a, a steady shift. You know, we've got a real um, way of play that we'd like to operate in Australia. It's still very much an Australian way of play. It's pretty much just tweaking a few things. 
um, towards the well towards the way I like to play. That's aggressive and really get at the opposition um, team. So more tweaking than overhauling mm. um, anything at all. So um, yeah, they're definitely getting getting used to it and and, and playing better and better each match. Uh, is this series? And we're talking to Trini Power, the coach of the Hockey Roos. Uh, they're playing, of course, New Zealand in a Trans Tasman series. Is this series purely to give everyone a run so you can have a so for them to get top quality opposition under their belt before Tokyo? Is that what the series is all about? Yeah, it definitely is that exposure piece. The whole the whole squad obviously has been um, missing international competition, and we've actually had two players make their international debut in this series because they haven't had that chance prior. So. Uh, beyond playing, you know, your first match for Australia, you definitely need more matches to get used to that um, level as well. So it's the same for everyone coming back to playing this level, um, that there is an an element of making sure that everyone has enough opportunity, um, not just to get back to that level, but uh, I suppose for selection as well for the Olympics. So making sure that there's enough uh, opportunity to show what they can do. Don't want to dig up uh, old wounds and uh, reveal old scars, but I want to ask you a very simple question in regards to this group. Are they fresh of mind with what they've been through in the last 12 months, so to speak, and all the internals, and and, and you don't want to buy into it? I get it. You're a new coach with new ideas and new concepts, but are they fresh of mind? Are you sensing that they are in a good space? They are. They are certainly on board with the purpose definitely united in in what we're trying to achieve. There's been some resilience built over the last 12 months and and there are plenty of things that have happened in the last 12 months that have helped them to um, develop that muscle. Um, And now they are completely focused on on going forward and, and achieving their Olympic dreams. That's great news. So where to now? So you get through tomorrow and obviously you'd like to win and win the series. We all do that. We all like beating the Kiwis and they like beating the Australians. We understand that. Where to after that and, and where does the program take you before Tokyo? And when, when is the exit plan? Yeah, look, look, certainly finishing off this test series um, with a win um, is definitely um, desirable. It, it uh, sets us up going forward, which is towards um, a couple of pro league matches in Perth. We're um, inviting New Zealand back over uh, to Perth the weekend of the 26th and 27th of um, June. So we've got a couple more matches coming up, which is fantastic, and that will provide us with the opportunity to play the Olympic team together. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to head to Darwin in July to start our climatisation. Um, and then, yeah, I think around about the 17th of July heading to um, heading to Tokyo. So it's a really short period of time now, especially that we're at the end of May already. But, yeah, only a couple more matches to go. And, uh, yeah, then we will be landing in Tokyo. How are you going, coach? How are you feeling? How's your mindset, yeah? you're coaching the national team mindset going. I mean, where are you at? And are you in a good space? Yeah, look, really, first of all, really pleased with the progress of the athletes and the team here in New Zealand. So excited for what comes next. You know, where it's a real... Uh, well, a, a bit of a starting point. I know it's very late in the Olympic cycle mm-hmm. to say that we're at a starting point. Um, but, you know, there in New Zealand would be uh, further progressed than we are. So to be really matching it with such quality team uh, in international hockey like New Zealand is really encouraging. 
So that it really just gives uh, me a bit of, I don't know, and the group as well, a bit of belief, a bit of confirmation that we're headed in the right direction, that we've got the players that can deliver um, what we're trying to achieve. And I suppose in terms of Tokyo and having an Olympics right there, the reward for some of that mm. commitment, hard work and belief is potentially right around the corner. So it's just really exciting right now. It is. I can hear it in your voice, and It's great that uh, the girls have, uh, well, they haven't been beaten yet by New Zealand and we haven't beaten them either. But let's hope that can happen tomorrow in game four, the final game of that Trans-Tasman Test Series. Look forward to it. Appreciate your time always here on radio here in Perth on SEN and Sporting Goss. And we'll continue to follow the girls and play well. And we'll see you back uh, in Perth very, very shortly. Fantastic. Thanks, Goss. Good on you. There's Trini Powell, the coach of the Hockey Roos. Outstanding. And just sense it, can't you, that everything's a little bit happier with that group right now. And that is great news. Let's hope it can lend itself to a win tomorrow against the Kiwis. This is the Sporting Goss on a Monday. Thanks for your company. Zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. If you want to text the show or thirteen twelve fifty five anytime on the open line. Coming up in the next half hour, Mitch Papeman, huge weekend as a jockey and a trainer, of course, and also Matt Keenan talking about all things cycling. Our SBS cycling legend commentator, of course, the Giro d'Italia finished last night, and a couple of West Aussies were involved in that. There is another event leading into the Tour de France, and then the Tour de France starts later in the month. Plenty to go on, of course. Uh, Stay with us. We're here till 12 o'clock, Monday to Thursday, the Sporting Goss. And, of course, don't forget, Gilly will be back on Friday between 6 and 8 with Gilly and Goss. Get in touch with us anytime you like. The Dreamtime at the O. Tickets go on sale. We're led to believe tomorrow afternoon we're hearing. Unconfirmed. We're still waiting to hear from the ticket sellers in regards to exactly what time they go on sale. But we're hearing between $30 and $35 a pop. We'll get to some news and come back. And then we'll be returning with a lot of... uh, We'll hear from Ben Rutten in regards to that win. And also Chris Fagan saying the Lions, of course, are ready for Melbourne. There's another big game coming up for the Demons and the Lions. But in the meantime, let's get some news. Plenty more to come. This half an hour left of the Monday edition of Sporting Goss. Yeah, we're counting down. We've already spoken to Katrina Powell in regards to the Hockey Roos and their preparation. And uh, we heard from Gilly this morning. Our softballers are heading off for a uh, pre-Olympic tournament as well, of course. Only six teams in for the gold medal uh, fight at Tokyo for our softball team. So let's hope we can grab a medal there, if not a gold medal. Still to come in this half hour, as mentioned, Mitch Payton will join us. He's one of our state's best uh, jockeys and had a big win on Saturday. He found a bigger winner on Sunday up there in Kalgoorlie. Looking forward to seeing, uh, hearing from Mitch and Matt Keenan talking all things cycling from SBS. You can always get in touch with us. Uh, we always like your feedback, 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. Ben Rutten, he was at the helm of what was a very big night on Saturday night. Eagles fans, don't want to rub your nose in it. But it was a big win and they're continuing to build and they'll remain in Perth, the Bombers, ahead of Saturday night's fixture with Richmond. Here is the coach of the Bombers. You know, we focus most of our attention on what we need to do. Um, we're just you know, really keen to build a, um, a really consistent um, brand of footy that, that's gonna, you know, that we can depend upon you know, week in, week out. It doesn't guarantee us results, but we want to show up and 
uh, turn up and play in a way that you know, is pretty reliable um, to, to themselves, but also our, you know, our supporters and our fans, which you know they're really keen to keen to do that. Uh, I think the carrots just to them, you know, getting more and more evidence and building more examples of them being able to. You know, play their best footy in different environments, different occasions, under different du- duress. You know, this week, as I said, there's been a fair bit of um, interruptions to our preparation. You know, Aaron Francis pulled out late. Um, Peter Wright, who was just starting to find some really consistent form for us, um, we had to make some late changes, and I think they're just enjoying <clears throat> trying to embed that that um, consistency in our game. That is Ben Rutten speaking after the game against the West Coast Eagles. The big game, of course, is still to come. It is the Brisbane Lions. They take on Melbourne. Melbourne at the top of the tree, but many believe Brisbane could be the premiership team to beat. Here is Chris Fagan's saying, uh, Chris Fagan, the coach of Brisbane, saying they're ready. They're ready for the Demons. We've been up for a few weeks and played some really strong team football. I mean, I thought today, again, was a, was a very even effort. We had 13 goal kickers. You know, that's, that's pretty exciting to, to have that number. So we're in great shape to be able to play a team like Melbourne, who are obviously the benchmark of the competition. So we'll look forward to that opportunity. I think our cohesion and synergy as a team has improved quite a bit over the last seven weeks. I couldn't give you a percentage, but I know we are a better team. There it is there. Better team, says Chris Fagan, than they have been over the last seven weeks and continuing to build do you agree with that? Let me know. 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. Let's get a breakaway. Come back. We're talking racing nets with Mitch Papen. But it's more than just racing. It's a feel-good story as a jockey and a trainer. It was a big weekend for Mitch. We'll hear from him next. This is The Sporting Boss. Speeding Comet who hits the lead. Speeding Comet from Watto's Fury, Wock and Wallach Scarrow. Speeding Comet in front inside the 100. And in no danger, Mitch Pateman goes on and gets his first winner as a trainer. Speeding Comet wins. The Velvet King starts to come after her now. Further back, Vela Road Dance Music about to be joined on the outside by the Velvet King. The Velvet King hits the front, comes away. He was second last year, but today he reigns supreme. And goes home to win it brilliantly from Valor Road. What a huge weekend of emotion for our next guest, Mitchell Pateman. Of course, on the Velvet King taking out the time-honoured Belmont Sprint. He stood up in the irons. He got himself a fine for saluting. And then he went to Kalgoorlie yesterday where a horse we know here on the Sporting Goss, Speeding Comet. The horse he trains and the horse he rode and got up at double-figure odds in the main race in Kalgoorlie yesterday. Mitchie, what a weekend. Congratulations. Yeah, cheers, Goss. Yeah, no, it's um, one I won't forget anytime soon. <laughs> All righty. I know it's a tough question, but I do need a tough answer, and I know you're not one to sit on the fence. What was the biggest thrill? Uh, yesterday, definitely, yeah. And uh, Cal Gawley on Speed and Comet for sure. So, um, yeah, no, definitely. So tell us a bit about Speed and Comet, just for those who are just listening to the Sporting Goss for the first time here on SEN. It's the one horse you train. You got your dual license, so you can train and ride. You went down to Albany, ran a very good race down there, ran second again up in Kalgoorlie. You go up there, double figure odds. You ride it and high emotion. Yeah, yeah, no, he's obviously um, yeah it meant a lot to me. I've had him for probably oh, twelve weeks now, and yeah, he's oh, he's a pleasure to have around. I can't say it's been hard to have him around. He's an absolute gentleman, and yeah, he's. Um, 
probably taught me more than I've taught him. So uh, I think we buggered up first up and he went woeful and we lowered the sights a little bit and took him to Albany and his next run was better. And um, Then I fronted him up again the week after at Kalgoorlie and his run was probably better again. And then, yeah, he fronted up again a week later and <laughs> he, improved, he improved enough to win yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he, he's taught me more than I'll... Um, I'll ever know. So he's um, yeah, he's been uh, very good to me. So when you when you so you ride horses all your life, and you're in from a, for a great racing family, the Pateman family, your family, your mum, your dad, your your grandfather. I mean, it's just a huge name inside the industry. And you take out your dual trainer's license. How quickly have you had to learn, or did you think you knew enough about training and timing and feed and all those sort of things that go into it? It's not just as simple as putting a saddle on a horse and taking it to the racetrack. How much have you had to learn? Well, I probably thought I knew enough, but I obviously didn't because he got me 200 metres his first start. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was learning all the time. Like Obviously, I've um, spent a long time in the industry now but spent a fair bit of time at some really good stables I've obviously worked with um, Darren McAuliffe and Adam Durant and spent a lot of time at Lindsay Smith's which is where I'm back at now and um, yeah you just learn so much off them sort of people and um, yeah you put bits and bits together obviously the Fernies have obviously been very good to me and Luke helped me out immensely after his first start and give me a few ideas which is what I've sort of done and I think that's what turned him around so yeah there's just people helping all the time and um, yeah very lucky. So when you were legging the jockey up yesterday on Speeding Comet in Kalgoorlie what was your instructions to him? Yeah um, the instructions was uh, three deep with cover back in the field so I've never been good at following instructions <laughs> and I can't even follow my own so I'm going very well but uh, no I just thought that he probably hadn't travelled great last two starts so I wanted to ride him a bit quieter but um, yeah he sprung the lids and put himself there and travelled double time for me and yeah on the corner he's never getting beat so yeah no it was a great result. Mitchell Pateman our guest on Sporting Goss fresh from what was a huge weekend. Uh, let's go back to Saturday you're on the Velvet King a horse that broke down in Melbourne um, Darren McAuliffe senior trainer this horse is a superstar of the track before that failed campaign in the east how special was that? It was clearly special for you to stand up in your irons. And while that's not probably great practice and probably frowned upon by a few of your mates in the industry, um, the emotion got the better of you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that um, he's been such a good horse to me. I've rode him since he was a two-year-old and he's raced pretty well at the top level since he was three. So, um, yeah, I've rode a lot of black-top winners on him and... Um, I just thought I'd lost him when he went to Melbourne and come back the way he did. I, I, yeah, I thought he was gone. So you just don't get horses like him come along often enough. And um, yeah, I just probably doubted that he'd ever get back to where he was. But yeah, Darren's a genius, and I uh, should never ever doubt Darren. And he told me Tuesday morning. He said, "I'm telling you, he's flying." So that was as good a um, push as I needed. And obviously, a lot of people have doubted him. Um, so it just it meant a lot to for him to show everyone that he was back and yeah just he, he's he's a star so um yeah it'd be lovely to be able to get him back to melbourne again obviously darren spoke about taking him himself and yeah i'd love that but um yeah we'll see it was an interesting there's a beautiful photo of you from the inside of the track i think taken by western race picks uh, simon Merritt's uh, crew and he's taken the photo and i reckon it's the owners in the background standing on the Belmont 
terraces there. There's a photo of the guys in the distance going absolutely cocoa bananas. Was that who the, the salute was towards or was it just into the general public? I uh, guess to the general public. I think it's just come out, buddy. Um, yeah, yeah, them owners, they, you know, Darren's owners are very, very close to the horses. And, um, yeah, I know how much they all love him as well. And I love him more than anything in the world. He, yeah, he's such a um, great horse. And he's got these um, little quirks. Like when he's a young horse, he used to run right off the track all the time. And he's got a lot better in that respect. And now he doesn't jump great. And he causes me a few headaches. But, yeah, I love him. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't swap him for the world. Mate, you must be very, very, you must be on cloud nine, but you go straight back to trials today. Yeah, yeah, no, we're on the way there now and, yeah, got a few to trial and, um, yeah, then got to go pick Speedy up and take you home. So, yeah, no, it's a busy day, nothing stops. Good on you, mate. Congratulations. Great weekend. You're a, uh, one of the, the, the more colourful and enjoyable and uh, excitable jockeys that we have in WA. I know it means a lot to you. I know it's always a battle with weight and the like, but... You've done a remarkable job in your training infancy, of course. Are your plans to increase your numbers at all? Or are you just happy going along with what you've got? I'm happy going along with what I've got at the moment because I don't really want my riding to slow down. And I sort of found when I had three or four in work that it was sort of making things difficult. So, yeah, I'll probably just stick around the couple for now and, uh, yeah, see how we go. Congratulations, mate. Safe riding. Good luck at the trials today. And we'll chat again soon. And, and may there be plenty more wins for everyone involved in the, in the Mitch Pateman story. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Goss. Cheers, mate. He's a good fella. Mitchell Pateman joining us on Sporting Goss. The Giro d'Italia has been run and won. Colombian Egan Bernal taking out the honours. I think he led from go to woe. One man who would know that is SBS cycling guru Matty Keenan. He joins us. Am I right? Did he go from start to finish? Not quite. His team did. His team started <laughs> okay, in the wrong. pink jersey All right, with that's Felipe why, That's why you're the expert. No, I'm not. Okay, I got that wrong. Uh, <laughs> He took the jersey from stage 9 out of 21, so it was more than halfway. It was an impressive performance. Um, Why does he win it? Is it a team thing? Is he just... I know he's won the the Tour de France and the like. So why did he win it? It's a little bit of both. So he had a super strong team around him, and they did a brilliant job. Could he have won it with a weaker team? Maybe, but it would have been a lot tighter. The guy who finished in second place, Damien Caruso, ended up at around about a minute and a half behind. Mm Mm-hmm. And the team would be close to at least a one-minute difference in support of Egan Bernal. So it helps a lot. Egan Simon B- Yates, third yeah. place from Bike Exchange, he wasn't going to challenge. Yeah, so that's uh, Simon Yates, so that's the Australian team, the Australian Bike Exchange, yeah. is that right? So t- tell us a bit about them. I mean, for, I mean obviously, uh, cycling aficionados and, uh, and people who know the sport would understand that. Explain to me the Australian Bike Exchange and how they've come to be a, uh, a team in the, in the tours. I'm sure you know the name Jerry Ryan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Jerry Ryan, who owned the horse American, who won the yeah. Melbourne Cup, yeah, yeah. he's been on the board of the St Kilda Football Club. Yeah. He was behind the start of the Melbourne Storm. He's Jaco Caravans. Yes. And if you've ever seen the Walking with Dinosaurs, he was the guy behind the technology for Walking with Dinosaurs. Um, he's the one who started it. And how he got into cycling was in 1991, he had his factory out in Dandenong, and Warrigal's not too far away from Dandenong. Warrigal is where Cathy Watt came from. Yep. And somebody came to him in 1991 and said, we need some support funding this woman in a bid to go to the Olympics. So he helped fund Cathy Watt in 91 to go to the Olympics where she won a gold medal. From that moment on, he was bitten by the bike bug. He, he also he grew up in Bendigo, which is a mad teen cycling town. And then he had sort of smaller teams. He funded the Victorian Institute of Sport. Then he funded the Australian Institute of Sport. 
And then he went to the tour one year, I think it was in 2010, and all the team cars are going across the finish line in Paris. And there's a Dutch flag, there's a French flag on the car, there's a Russian flag on the car. And Jerry said, there's got to be an Australian flag on the car. Mm. Two years later, the Green Edge team was born and they were at the Tour de France. Okay, so Green Edge is now Australian Bike Exchange. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so it started as Green Edge because they didn't have a sponsor. Yep. So it was, you know, it was the inheritance for Jerry's kids that was being spent to get the funding up for the team. <laughs> and then he had various sponsors on board, but a lot of the a lot of the sponsors on board at the moment are Jerry's businesses. Last year the team was called Mitchelton Scott. Yep. And he owns Mitchelton Winery. That's Jerry Ryan as well. Wow. So it's a it's a Jerry Ryan uh, venture. Yeah, certainly. Is, is it expensive to have a team? Uh, probably costing around about 18 million euros per year what? to run a, run a team in the middle of the range. Uh, what's that in Australian dollars? That's probably about 26 million dollars. Fair income. Mm. So do they pay Fair. the riders? Yeah, absolutely they do. Wow. Yeah. So the prize money's not very big in cycling, but they all get a wage. So there's a sense of security. You look at you know, Roland Garros is on at the moment. You look at the tennis and you see the the winner gets this massive paycheck. But the people that lose in the first round, they still get they still get plenty of money. Yeah. But they've they've got to pay for all their own travel, their hotels, their uh, they've got to pay for their own coach, they've got to pay for their masseuse or any of that sort of stuff. When you're on a cycling team, all that's taken care of. Plus, you get a salary. The prize money is not as good as what it is with tennis or golf, but there's a bit more security. Matty Keenan, our guest on Sporting Goss, we're talking about the Giro d'Italia, which ended last night, and Egan Bernal from Colombia taking the honours of course in the Ineos Grenadiers team. When when we talk about um, the teams that ride, and there would be riders that don't get a mention, aren't significant players, don't lead the pack anywhere, don't win stages, aren't in the whatever, are there some... Average riders in it, or is every single rider in these tours, are they all bona fide, outstanding, long-distance cyclists? Well, they're all amongst the top few hundred cyclists in the world. And, you know, it's a pretty big market, so to be in that top few hundred is really impressive. Mm. Let's take a Western Australian, for example, Michael Storer. He would hardly have gotten a mention in any other commentary with the exception of the Australian commentary and perhaps the English commentary because you're drawn to riders that you can relate to so the you know the anglo-saxon crew the the british commentators probably mentioned him a few times but we hardly ever saw him because he was sitting in the peloton directly in front of their team leader roman bardet he did a brilliant job on the last stage in the mountains michael storer he got a fair few mentions there but up until then his work goes largely unseen but he's helping the team get the success that they're after and i heard an awesome quote recently about jfk going to NASA. He went to visit NASA and he was walking the corridors and he bumped into somebody who was a janitor cleaning the floors. And he said, so what are you doing here? And the janitor said, I'm helping put a man on the moon. So everybody in the team has got their role to play. (laughs) Very true. Now, when is the Tour de France and what happens next? I was going to say to you, surely you can put the queue back in the rack for a little while, take a night off, take an early morning off and chillax. But you told me that you're you're back at the wheel today, tonight. We're, we're straight back into it. So from the Giro d'Italia, the next big focus for the cycling world is the Tour de France. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty of riders who are doing the Tour de France that obviously haven't done the Giro d'Italia, so they need some racing too. So kicking off last night in France is a race called the Criterium de Dauphiné. It's an eight-stage race. 
and I'll be commentating that tonight wow. on SBS. And and you know, looking forward to it. So it makes it turns out I think it works out at 29 or 30 days of consecutive commentary on on bike races, mm-hmm. but. You know, I get to sit in front of a TV monitor, Tim, and talk about bike racing. It's not too hard. No, nah, it isn't hard. We're very, very lucky with what we do. And so just when does the tour start, the Tour de France? 26th of June. And it's 21 stages. So it goes across, it spans across four weekends. So to give it some context in how long the Tour de France is, Tour of Italy is the same, likewise Tour of Spain. It's four weekends. So it's four rounds of football. You think how much can happen <laughs> in four rounds of football? Yes. A lot. It does. It does happen a lot. Yeah. Mate, you're a legend. You are the marathon man when it comes to commentary uh, with SBS <laughs> in regards to the uh, the cycling, of course. So on air tonight on SBS, where, what's the name of the event again? Criterium de Dauphiné. Okay. And what time so is like it? A, I'll give you a little... Yeah. It starts at... Oh, I think we're on air at about 10.20 or 10.30. Okay. Um, in terms of a lot of the bike races yeah. are being started by newspapers. So the Tour de France was started by a newspaper, Auto. It was printed on yellow paper. That's why the jersey is yellow. Gotcha. The Giro d'Italia was started by La Gazzetta della Sport, which is on pink paper. That's why the jersey there is pink. And the Criterium de Dauphiné was started by a newspaper called Dauphiné Libre. So it's the newspaper for the Alpine region in France. You're a freak. I love all that sort of stuff. That's the crazy stuff I like, mate. Appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you on SBS Good tonight. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Tim. Good on you, mate. There's Matty Keenan. He's the guru, and he joins us uh, regularly on the Sporting Gospel. We'll keep up to date with him ahead of the Tour de France. And when it starts, and he'll just take our call and do it for nothing because he's a good man. That is Matty Keenan. This is the Sporting Goss. Thanks for your company. Well under Alex for pressing the buttons. Thanks to Special K for all his producer work as well. And thanks for listening tomorrow. Useless AFL stats. Star Spangled Banter and a whole lot more. This has been Sporting Goss. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91